All right, guys, welcome back to another Identical Draw podcast. Um, this is an awesome one. We've got some special guests on here. Um, I'll get to after this Vortex plug. Um, man, right now, I'm pretty sure, I think Vortex is running their huge sock sale right now. Pretty sure like all their socks are 40% off. Um, so head over to Vortex, um, to their website, check out their Vortex wear stuff. Me and Tom freaking run their socks to the ground. They're, they're epic. They're awesome. Perfect for hunting. Um, awesome for the summer months. Um, they've, so they've got like the new, like no show. Um, yeah. I think it's like called the pursuit trail or something like that. Um, I'm looking it up now, but I've, I work out in it and it's, it's been super nice. Like they're not, they don't just have hunting socks. So, yep. um, I've, d- I've done some nice. runs in some of their new, new socks. So definitely check out their socks. They're huge sale right now, 40% off, which is, uh, I think it's going on right now, or it either starts really soon. I'm bad yeah. at this, but yeah, check it out, and uh, let's get into the podcast. All right, so like Thomas and I have mentioned, we're trying to get away from just us, us two talking about random crap um all the time and having some interesting guests that also do a lot of hunting and today we have tyler and casey from the element um these guys do a lot of hunting they have big youtube presence big podcast presence they're um, they're way better whitetail hunters than us <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> so guys um introduce yourselves and uh once you do that kind of get into how you guys started up how long you've been around that whole thing I'm Tyler Jones, and I uh, originate from Emory, Texas. I still live here. That's where Casey and I both live now. And uh, as far as your comment about better hunters, <laughs> it's kind of like ice skating in the Olympics, right? It's really up to the, the eye of the exactly. judge, right? So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things that you can't really, uh, you know, it's not like a basketball game. It's like it's not like 98 to, to 100, and, you know, me and Casey are better basketball players. Than <laughs> yeah, y'all not like somebody won. <laughs> just going to watch out for the guy that has the bat in the back alley. Exactly. That's the only thing. That's right. Yeah. 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 yeah you don't so, want to mess with that. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm a, I'm a dad, a son, a believer, and a deer hunter and a small stream aficionado. Oh, oh, <laughs> <There you go. laughs> yeah. well, I'm Casey Smith. Uh, uh, also I have immigrated to, uh, Emory, Texas, about 10 miles South of my hometown, Sulphur Springs, Texas, um, via a large trip around the state of Texas, uh, working all kinds of different jobs and doing stuff. But now I am, uh, here in Emory and, uh, I'm a, youth minister and a husband and dad. And, um, I don't know if I quite say aficionado, but <laughs> I uh, do also love to dabble into the, the uh, trout world, uh, especially. And then of course, uh, adventure as much as I can in the fall chasing deer around. So, uh, that's what we like to do. We actually started the elements unofficially, um, by fishing, so uh, mm-hmm. play on words right there. That would be like uh, May of 2016, and then we uh, Tyler went hunting with me a few times and did some filming in in 2016, and then that uh, spring of 17, we decided that uh, we'd start a podcast mm-hmm. and uh, jump into that big old ocean, and been doing it ever since. Mm-hmm. Now you know have like I said YouTube channel and all that stuff, and yep, have been blessed with the opportunity to travel the country hunting deer pretty much yeah that's that's the way to go we uh we've been familiar with you guys for a while now um and then we saw you guys uh teamed up with first light which was awesome um we we love the heck out of those first light guys and the gear um, yeah man we're glad they submitted an application yeah, yeah to, uh, to, the to join the element yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly uh so do you guys consider yourselves like Hardcore Texans? Are you like big on that? Like we're the best state in the country kind of thing? Uh, Is that dicey territory? Okay. Nah, it's just kind of funny. I've never been that way really. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It just kind of, it kind of, I don't know. It's weird. Like I'm the town I'm from and KC is also from the area. It's like huge dairy country. There's Mm -hmm. lots of, you know, kind of quote unquote cowboy types, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
I've never, never been that way. Right. Uh, so I don't, gotcha. I don't know. I never really have been like, I love Texas. There's so many cool things, right? right. So it's such a diverse ecological area that, I mean, it's, it's the size of, you know, uh, Poland. Just, yeah, yeah. Poland. So it's, it's huge. The economy is, is the top 10 economy, uh, out of any nation in the entire world. Right. And, you know, so, I mean, you've got some incredible things here, right? Big cities, some of the biggest cities in the world. You got coastline, you got, uh, pine trees at the south has you got the desert southwest you got the high plains and the panhandle you got you know brush country of mexico basically so right. it's it's cool man like i, I like it, but I, i'm not a i wouldn't say i'm a prideful texan necessarily <laughs> yeah um especially if uh politics go a weird way or something like that i might have to move to a different state anyway <laughs> yeah. so. and i think the thing that comes with maturity right i'm a little bit more of a country guy than tyler was yeah. or is and uh, so like it kind of came with a little bit of a redneck nature of like, yeah, Texas, you know, and all this. And Texas does have a rich heritage, I guess you would say, with just mm-hmm. being very unique in the fact that, you know, it was a state or a country before it was a state and, you know, under six different uh, rules or whatever. And a lot of uh, unique history there. So it's kind of cool. But at the same time, the older you get, the more you mature, you realize that like, A, pride is a bad thing. And, uh, be like, you just shouldn't really become too attached to about near anything that is like, uh, I don't know, con- concrete or anything mm-hmm. physical, you know what I mean? Like, sure. um, definitely your family and all that becomes really just more important. And of course your faith as well, you know, then right. really caring about where you live, you know, right. <laughs> definitely. Um, so did you guys, like, you're way bigger the further north you go. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> so did you guys like say, cut your teeth hunting in Texas or did you like kind of go out of state for that or how'd that start up? Uh, I did pretty much stick to Texas growing up. Um, my, uh, you know, I, I don't really know y'all are look a little younger than us, but like we kind of grew up in that age where the internet kind of like developed. Mm -hmm. Right. So like I can remember being like 13 and finally being able to search the internet, not for, um, actual hunting places like uh, day leases or something like that. But at least you could get on the internet and look up lists of uh, chamber of commerce to be able to call different towns and try to find a place to hunt. Or right. Something, right. So like right along that transition. So we, along with that came like a very localized idea of what hunting is. Mm-hmm. And we used to go what we called South Texas, which is actually more central Texas. You know, it was like a four or five, six hour drive depending on where you went and hunted. And then I hunted locally in East Texas growing up too, you know, shooting tiny deer and being just happy as a field mouse, you know, right. so that's kind of how I started out at least. I, I was kind of saying, uh, started out in Texas and we actually killed my first deal, deer, uh, probably about 30 miles from the border of Mexico. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for real South Texas. Um, and then, you know, since, since that era, especially that was, I mean, it had already started, but you know, uh, QDM, uh, theories started in Texas and mm-hmm. in that area. And so, uh, there was already big buck contests and stuff going on down there and, you know, high fence and stuff like that. But, uh, we hunted a hundred acre low fence place and it didn't take long for us to get kicked out of there pretty much, you know, and, uh, things to change. So, yeah. uh, around probably high school, I started, uh, hunting Oklahoma and Kansas a little more. And, uh, we had some relatives in Kansas and, um, been hunting that stuff ever since and just expanding since then. I kind of have a, a goal, uh, which I don't know if I actually hit it this year for the first year in several years, but to hunt a different state every year. Mm-hmm. So it's yep. kind of a tough thing once you fill in a little bit of the map, you get, you have to go to <laughs> a lot further than you used to, exactly. you know? Yep. So, yeah. You know. So what, um, what ratio are you guys hunting public versus private? Uh, tough question. Yeah, I guess it varies year to year. And what we, Tyler and I both have little homestead properties that we get to hunt too. Yep. And so, in some years we have shooters there, and some years we don't. Mm. And we're calling shooters just mature buck, right? We're not like super trophy hunting. Yeah. Um, But, uh, I would say like overall 90% public land, but by necessity, not because we think we're like cool (laughs) and enjoy the challenge of hunting the same year everybody else does. You know, it's just like, opportunity based, you know? Definitely. Yeah. I, I hunted uh, a lot more. I probably hunted quite a bit more 
public this year than I did last year mm-hmm. because last or in 2020, because in 2020 I had a really big deer on my homestead property mm-hmm. and hunted like, I think it was like 16 or 18 days, almost straight for that deer. And, uh, so, I mean, that's, that was a considerable chunk of my season that I spent on private, but, uh, this year, you know, a lot more, a lot more public this year. So we actually, this 2022 season, uh, have an opportunity. We kind of have made some connections to some people who own a tree farm, um, up in Illinois. And so we're going to go up there and do a little bit of work in exchange for some private permission, which I'm real excited about, you know, like I think that the public land thing gets, uh, a little overhyped by all means. I'm super thankful to have places to go in all these states to go hunt that you literally can just go on or buy a permit for or whatever. But at the same time, like if you can secure some of that private ground, like, you know, it's a really good opportunity to have a, uh, first and foremost, more, more relaxing hunt. Uh, and then also maybe at a little older age class animal. You know? right. yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. That's, I think that's big time. Like I, I did a bunch of uh, permission stuff this spring for turkeys and I ended up getting six properties, um, which in total was like another 2000 acres I could hunt turkeys on. And I had some people messaging like, why, like, why, like, why aren't you just hunting public? I'm like, if you had private permission, would you rather hunt that or public with every Tom, Dick and Harry? Like, it's not yeah. like, it doesn't take me that long to answer that question. So I'm like, why not put it in a little effort to get some permission? Um, getting deer yeah. hunting permission, um, is a whole different ball game. Um, so that's yeah, a sweet sure. connection you guys got, but I'm like, man, I think the permission thing is, I mean, it's a, been a super fun way for yeah. me to go. I don't, I don't get the people that kind of look down upon getting a private land permission. I mean, it's like if you put through the work yeah. and do that, I mean, you have, that's a huge benefit. Might as well, might as well, um, try to create those opportunities. We've, I mean, yeah, like, um, getting some, physical labor done on, on some people's property or we've offered like a, like some filming services, like film different projects for people. Um, that's worked for us in the past, but however you mm-hmm. can get those permissions is it's handy. Yeah. I mean, hell we yeah, uh, hunted, hunted in Western Nebraska at a, like a cattle ranch this last, um, September. And we shot a little video for their business and had hunting rights. It's like make a nice that's exchange. Cool, cool, man. Yeah. 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 That sounds kind of fun, you know, getting a, you know, we all film our hunts, but it would kind of be fun to film something a little bit different that's still outdoors, mm-hmm. you know? Like, right. Tyler and I filmed some weddings along, not mm-hmm. as much on the fun side, but, you know, like, <laughs> uh, you know, that would be kind of cool. I think it's, I think it's interesting, like, I don't know, even people, there's like another level of uh, elitist, elit- elitists uh, that look down upon um, people who pay for permission. Right. And it's like, man, most, I mean, I don't know. Well, most of these people have earned the money, right? Like right. So whether you earned it by uh, working uh, on a tree farm or shooting video of cattle or whatever, or you earned it like in the stock market day trading or something like that, like you still, you know, most of these guys have earned money and exactly. want to spend it that right. way. And it's just like, man, it's, it's like, I, I'll be frank. I would, if I had a bunch of money, I would not be hunting public ground. Right. I mean, that's just yeah. plain and simple. Yeah. I wouldn't be doing it. Yeah. So. You always hear people giving like Joe Rogan and Cam Haynes a bunch of crap because they just go to epic elk ranches, but they freaking earned it. Cam, Cam and Joe have worked their absolute butts off for it and they 100% deserve to shoot a freaking 400 inch bull every fall. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I would be for sure. I'd be shooting a bunch of them. Yeah. I go to Texas where you can shoot a bunch of bulls. You know? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> And, yeah. and I don't know, I think it's a case where there's a really vocal silent or I'm sorry, really vocal minority on that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it probably changes depending on what state you're in, but at least in Texas, like the majority of people who hunt, I would say are paying to, for access, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, unless they're on their own personal property. I mean, you know, permission just isn't a thing that happens. So like paid access is a, we call it leases, you know, hunting lease, yep. deer yep. lease. Yep. And it's like a thing that a lot of people identify with and to, say that it's wrong or that it's not quite as good is a really great way to alienate a bunch of people who are, you know, kind of down to earth hunters. Right. For sure. So, um, getting into some, maybe some, uh, summer stuff, some early season tactics, um, this time of the year, are you guys, what's your summer scout look like? Is it primarily obviously being in Texas? I mean, is it mostly 
Onyx e-scouting? Is it, are you trying to get boots on the ground in, in a few different areas or what does it, what are these summer months look like leading up to the season for you guys? Yeah. So let me, I want to put boots on the ground as high elevation as possible. Yeah. Because this time of year. Uh, when you hear us laughing, it's not because we think that y'all are silly. It's because we have all these sarcastic answers going through our heads. That we're not yeah. <laughs> but you're right about the, uh, the, because we're in Texas thing, like, uh, we already have temperatures in the forecast for this week. And that's going to continue through September. Mm-hmm. So like locally we've done it though, man, like, mm-hmm. we've put in a lot of hours out hiking around middle of summer in Texas and it just, it pays off, but mm-hmm. not to the dividend that you would want it to. So yeah. at this time for us, um, especially since we travel so much in the fall anyways, like it's, it's definitely a situation where it's like, okay, get out a few cameras here in Texas where we might want them maybe earlier in the year, let them sit that otherwise definitely spending a bunch of time on the maps and thinking about the trips that we have coming up this fall and, and kind of reflecting on, uh, you know, our trips of the past and maybe if we're going to a similar area or the same area and just really diving in and dissecting the map, uh, from what we have from previous knowledge. That's, that's really what our summer plan is for the most part. Are there, so are there specific things that you guys are looking at? Say, I mean, pick any state, say, let's, let's pick Kansas. Um, is there, like, let me know a, a few things that you guys are looking for when you're e-scouting. Cause like for me, like, like say like this Turkey, when I was asking permission from like 80 people um, for Turkey permission in Nebraska, basically what I was looking at was um, areas that like had a bunch of timber, but might not be like a super, super really good property because I, I assume they are going to have somebody hunting on it. But like I would, uh, but I, I would assume turkeys would be in the area. So possibly I could get them on, even though the property is not as good, I can get them over there. But like, are there certain um, flags that you guys are looking at scouting? Um, say, let's just say public land that is going to like really trigger you to want to check that area out. Is it, uh, and is it, is it an amount of structure? Is it um, food or water in the area? Or is it, Hey, I don't want to be close to any reasonably sized town. Or are there a few things that you guys are really trying to hone in on? Yeah, there's all, I mean, there's all kinds of variables and, um, you know, definitely want to talk about some of those, uh, you know, and this, like Casey said, it depends on, you know, like there's a lot of things that you start off with, but one of the main things is like, have you been there before? Right. Yep. And so you know, if we're talking about Kansas, we've been there. Um, and you know, we're probably just going to kind of not spend much time scouting it, right. to be honest, mm-hmm. just all the time, because we've been there we kind of know some stuff. And then we just react based off what we see when we get there. Well, right. and our chance of drawing, you know, when you talk about a state that's a draw state, you have to always yeah. figure that in too. Whereas yeah. like if you look at a state that we're guaranteed to go to, yeah, yeah, you, you have a little bit more of a, I don't know, I guess uh, less of a up in the air thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like what we, we probably spend more time or we definitely spend more time scouting stuff that we A, have not been to and B, yep. states that have a lot of public land in them. Um, or at public opportunity at least, you know? So, um, you know, what we typically, um, like some of the variables, variables we would start with would be, like you mentioned, uh, how close is it to a metropolitan, major metropolitan area? Um, how, uh, like what is the, uh, what is the, sometimes we look at Boone and Crockett maps a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. you gotta take them with a grain of salt because exactly. there's uh, also a lot of variables involved there. But um, it helps you to understand, like, if there's uh, a part of the state that maybe has uh, bigger deer. And I think one thing, just maybe as, like, a, a way that I see those Boone and Crockett maps is, like, um, you, the, the most dense, the most dense uh, harvest reporting in that Boone and Crockett uh, mapping is a lot of times it is closer to the metropolitan areas mm-hmm. um, because there's so many hunters. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you you can find some of those like mid tier, um, counties that, that are a little bit skewed because not as many people may be hunting that area or something like that, but there's still a good potential. So there has been some record blog there. So, you know, things like that will help you start out. Um, you can also just look based off of, uh, like what kind of experience do you want? Do you want to, 
Do you want to hunt, uh, in the timber? Do you want to hunt farm country, ag country? Do you want to hunt, um, you know, uh, Western stuff? Do you want to hunt plain stuff? You know, what do you want your experience to be like? Um, do you want potholes or do you want dry country so you can focus on hunting a water hole or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's so many different things. You got to kind of decide what kind of hunts you want. And if I think a lot of guys, when they first decide to go out, out of state, that is, um, they're looking for a lot of times a bigger deer than what they can hunt um, locally. And so if that's the case, then, I mean, you really don't need to look any further than Midwestern stuff, really. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you're talking about Missouri, Illinois, Iowa, uh, Ohio, Kentucky, stuff like that. I mean, it's all, all you know, lots of beans, high-protein stuff, um, you know, limited tags in some of those states, uh, shorter gun seasons, and just overall just genetic quality uh, that comes from probably like multiple major river systems and stuff yep. like that going through areas that all, as we've seen over the last few decades, attribute to giant deer. So if that's what you want, then you decide that. And then as far as like, you know, the mapping stuff goes, Casey's really good at that. Um, <laughs> so he can probably assess some of the things that he looks at, you know, there. Uh, yeah. help him. Man, it's going to vary depending on what time of year you're going to try to go and, yep. you know, what what uh, what the habitat's like. I think you were kind of wanting to emphasize the earlier stuff, right? Yep. So in any time I think about early season, um, thinking about water a lot of times, and you're thinking about um, maybe a more early season crop mm-hmm. uh, and kind of correlating to that, you know, alfalfa is always, this is a thing that I don't hear enough people talk about is alfalfa is hard to beat, man. Everybody wants to talk about corn beans and, you know, that's, that's great because I think it's like, you know, a lot of this information radiates from the, the heartland stuff, right? It's like the middle of, of the Midwest where like Iowa or corn and beans is what there is, but yep. um especially early season, you know, maybe you're there after the beans have burned up and the corn isn't quite right yet. I mean, that alfalfa is just hard to beat, man. So I, I spent a lot of time, especially this time of year, you know, scouting for our September and October hunts, looking at how, um, you know, habitat pockets or WMAs or whatever correlate to mm-hmm. alfalfa fields and just finding the spot, you know, if you want to look at it like a broad state level, that's a great thing to start looking at. You know, we use OnX, love it. And uh, one of the great things about it is you can do that crop data layer yep. and see what, you know, where the alfalfa is. It's That's real big handy. time. Yeah. You know, I, I'm always like, there's a lot of buzz about um, summer scouting and stuff like that. And man, I love um, scouting like whitetails by our, our property down in Kansas. Um, that's like one of, I mean, that's, obviously a top summer activity, but I'm like, man, if you only get so much time off, say like, I mean, say you're working, you're just like a, a busy guy. I work and you, I mean, you, getting time off is difficult mm-hmm. and you wanted to go for a September hunt somewhere, say like Kansas or wherever. I'm, I'd be like, man, just tack on two days before, like tap on two more days to your September hunt, than take off two days in July to go look, you know, because it's like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, I mean, that's what's happening right then and there. Like, I mean, you can't, you mm. can't beat that time when you're actually in the hunt and locating deer. Yeah. You can get some correlation. I think it's more, I, I don't know. I, I feel like scouting is more helpful out West where they kind of might like a deer might have a drainage or a Canyon that they're just going to be hanging out in. That's just their zone. Um, whereas mm. I feel like, I don't know more of the Midwestern stuff. I mean, it's, it's a toss up where the deer are going to be, um, uh, most days. Um, but yeah, one thing that I've done at least for, um, uh, like out of state stuff that I can't travel to and get boots on the ground in the summer months, like, uh, where we hunt in South Dakota, I call up a few landowners in the area and be like, Hey, um, do you guys see a lot of deer in the area? And <laughs> like simple stuff like that. Like, are you hitting deer with your car very often? Like how uh, you see uh, trucks parked on the side of the road? Yeah. Just like, and I mean, any, I mean, most landowners I've talked to on the phone are super nice. Oh yeah. There's a ton of deer around and, um, whether mm-hmm. bucks or does, they probably don't give a damn about, but it's like, you still get the idea of, um, what the deer numbers are like and, and where they're hanging out and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, Thomas and I, we, I mean, our summer scouting besides like trail cameras and stuff, man, we just, we almost are like, let's just tack on another day. Um, to our hunt yep. and just give almost a scout yeah. day where we just split that, up. That helped us in Nebraska. Out. Yep. Last year we, we had, uh, you know, we showed up, uh, two days early in the evening. And so we had a full day before the season started. 
And then, uh, I killed on the third. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I killed on the third. Um, and so, I mean, by that point, that's day five of yep. the trip. Right. Yep. So, um, and really what it came down to was, this is something we talk about a lot, but, um, as much as anything, you're just eliminating ground. And when, mm-hmm. you know, if you pick an area, if you do pick an area with a lot of ground, then that's a good thing. If it's a, if you're focused on one or two small areas, then you might be in trouble. Mm-hmm. But, eliminating ground can be a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's another thing is the experience of going out there. Like I have, I've, I've been out there two years before last year and uh KC came along last year and, uh, you know, having to help, having another guy to help you just, uh, with, you know, sharing information, because here's the thing is like, there was several times during those first four days that, uh, each one of us would split up and go sit on a hill and glass and just to see what we saw going in and out of timber or whatever. And there were several times that like one or both of us would see nothing. Yeah. or see a group of does and yep. you just don't learn much when you only see a couple of deer or whatever. So, but if some guy sees, um, you know, several deer or a nice buck, then now it's, you know, now we're making plans. And yep. so th- that's the thing is like with two guys, you double your information, yep. if not more, you know, because you can only sit one spot at, at night, in an evening or in the morning. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's, you know, helpful to have a guy that'll go with you and it's pretty hardcore about it and likes to do it and, and wants to go spend some time, you know, away from his family or whatever and hunt a little bit. So eliminating grounds, another thing early season that you gotta, you know, and it's really hard because it's hot, you're tired, you're camping a lot of times and gosh, you just get to the point where you're like, you get, you can get lazy real quick. So you gotta I mean, kind of you, talk yeah. yourself through it. Yeah. The deer are moving yeah. for like an hour throughout the entire day. I mean, you get 30 yeah. minutes of movement in the morning before it's 95 degrees and full sun and then you get 30 minutes in the mm-hmm. evening basically it's like man you gotta really you gotta i mean splitting up is huge because i mean the amount of time you have to locate deer during that time unless you're gonna like literally pop over i mean just cover a ton of ground whether you're walking and just like hoping to spook something up i mean honestly that's mm-hmm. that's i mean when we're hunting out uh western nebraska stuff i mean that sometimes that's just what we do because sometimes you can just almost bump a deer get them to show themselves and then run up to the top of the hill and try to watch them bed back down somewhere. It's like, unless you're doing that, yeah. I mean, you get a sliver in the morning and a sliver in the evening. It's hard to bump deer that time of year too, mm-hmm. because they will sit real tight when it's hot, man. Yep. They just do not want to get out of that shady spot they're sitting right. in. I mean, last year in South Dakota, we went in, we bedded a buck in the morning and we had a have ton of guys there, you know, like six or seven dudes. So we had like, two guys up top watching him from where we spotted him from originally and filming. And then, uh, I went down and I was the, I was the push guy. So I was going to wind bump him was the plan. And KC was filming and Hunter, another guy that, uh, videos for us was the shooter. And we had all these hand signals worked out and everything. You know, it took forever <laughs> exactly. to get around on him. And so, and we knew, I mean, I knew where this, I watched the deer bed down. I was one of the guys mm-hmm. that was, first there when we spotted him and bed him and so i i knew where he was and i i walk in there and i'm throwing my wind the whole time into this this bed and he's not getting up I'm like what is going on you know and i see kc and hunter and they're like i'm like y'all see him you know i'm kind of like giving them the shrug you know they're like no they shrug back and uh i literally had to get like seven yards from this buck to get him up <laughs> and uh Busted him right to him, and, and uh, Hunter missed. So. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's 25 yards, but it worked. The plan worked, you know, but it, it, I had to jump on top of that deer nearly to get yeah. him out. So that's right. another thing. It's like you could uh, you could bust through some stuff, and we did it last year in Nebraska too, like getting in some thick stuff and not busting anything out. And you're like, man, are there, is there any deer in this pocket or not, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and there probably is sometimes you just got to get on top of them to get them yeah. out. One thing about that though, like I know that we are almost, uh, you know, debating that you shouldn't scout in the summer. Um, but I think that a lot of us who are experienced hunters, um, rely a lot on the deer knowledge that we have For sure. and then kind of get to a point where it's like, okay, I can map scout cause I know deer pretty good. And I spent a lot of time in the woods in the fall, but, uh, I would like to kind of maybe uh, head a little bit different direction there and say, like, it's super important to learn deer mm-hmm. because I, we talk about this a lot. Like, no matter if you're, like, in Manitoba or you're in South Texas in the brush country, 
a white pill is a white pill, right? Um, so uh, they are going to do certain things the same everywhere. Um, they're going to act differently too, but depending on food sources and where you're at in the country and all this stuff. But at the same time, like if you can get to understand deer and to know deer as good as you possibly can, then you can take that knowledge and apply it elsewhere. So I think that it still is important to reach a certain level and then also maintain that level, not just say, okay, I'm done. Right. But, uh, instead of spending your two days going, you know, to Kentucky and scouting the beans or whatever, you know, uh, if you live in Arkansas, just get out on the, whatever land you can get to locally and do your best to find deer sign and to understand how deer are using the country. And then you can take the knowledge you gain there and apply elsewhere, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's, it's actually, really vital to understand like okay these two trails come together here why what is going on to make that happen or like oh there's a scrape right here and instead of just being like okay i found a scrape in the summertime why is that scrape there and how, when can i kill a deer over it and where are those deer going to come from and and, mm-hmm. and plotting out all this stuff will help you like say you are on a uh, Western Nebraska, which I guess that's kind of, uh, well, I don't know what you're hunting out there, but, um, you know, say you are on a hunt out of state, let's just say it that way. And you come across deer sign and you have to process what you're going to do with that. If you have not processed that situation in your mind before, and maybe in multiple scenarios, then it's going to take you a whole lot longer to, um, exude, or that might not be the right word, to, to get out of that what you need to. Right. Mm-hmm. So like you can make the wrong inference because you don't have the experience with said deer sign or said deer behavior, right. Or whatever it may be. But if you familiarize yourself with whitetail deer and spent a lot of time trying to understand who, what, where, and why they are doing that, then it's going to help you a ton, no matter really where you go in the country. Yeah. Right. There's also a, uh, there's also the guy that like, has a big old monster deer on a piece that he can hunt that probably should do some scouting in the summer too. Yeah, no, for sure. Just, that's a, that's a different, you know, whole different thing than what Casey and I have really ever dealt with. But I know like, you know, we, we were, uh, for several years and still are, uh, big fans of the Midwest whitetail stuff. But like when Bill was there, you know, he always, they always had some just tanks during the summer that they would watch and beans and stuff, you know? And so like, it was just, really cool to follow that story but i I think it's it's advantageous for those guys who have like everything they need on a farm to keep a deer there pretty much year round nearly and uh i think you know that's another situation specific that uh i would say would lead uh to a case where you would want to be scouting quite a bit in the summer even if it's kind of scouting from afar with glass just learning where that deer likes to come out it's such a big thing, you know, or even where does are coming out because the does may not change very much by the time the season opens. And so, um, you know, as the testosterone ramps up that deer, that buck may want to come out where those does are coming out, you know, or whatever. So, yep. Yeah. And a bunch of great points there. Um, just touching back on, uh, the knowledge that you need to be able to just think, think like a whitetail. It just, it takes so much time. Like, gosh, I've been hunting whitetails for, I don't know, 12 years now or something like that, 12, 14 years. And I still like question like what, what is going on here and what is the best move? Especially like if I'm on like a pressured public piece or anything like that. Um, I feel like I'm still like still getting to know the whitetail like 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still like, yeah. I'm sure I'll never fully get it, but, um, I feel like you feeders, man. Yeah, yeah. Almost <laughs> like if you're on a corn feeder, there's a lot less to know. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and also, also, but well, the point I was making is that like you, uh, I've hunted a lot of feeders in my life, mm-hmm. and you learn a lot about deer when you're sitting at a feeder because there's a lot, there's a lot of body language being presented there, and if you are actually instead of just vegging out while a deer's there or just holding your breath and you know, passing out, like if you pay attention, you can catch on to a lot of things that right. deer are doing that can teach you. Yeah. So where you juxtapose that to like hunting public land in the same state here in Texas. Yeah. Uh, let's just pull the last three years of the last three years. I probably have 
logged mm-hmm. like a total less than 30 minutes of deer encounter in the last three years. And each one of those probably averages like 12 to 15 seconds. It's you know, by. you just go by because you can't see it's thick, you know? And, and so like, it's so hard to compile like just, mm-hmm. you know, evidence or, or, yeah. or data. Encounters, yeah. You do that. yeah. So like getting in, you know, it just even outside of feeders, just high deer densities and being able to see deer often mm-hmm. helps so much with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've loved doing that for like, I don't know, even, um, whitetails, um, with, uh, especially I feel like our Nebraska permission that we've hunted, like being able to watch deer do similar things like throughout an entire fall, like whether it's mm-hmm. September, October, November, December, there are certain things that whitetails on this property like to do all the time. And like keeping that just in a, in a note in the back of your brain, um, just taking that information like this, this last fall on our Kansas ground, the only reason we killed my buck in November is because we made a huge scouting push in late October and just like didn't get lazy with sitting our old normal tree yeah. stands and stuff like that. Sometimes and making moves. I feel like TV shows like really hurt our generation because like <laughs> they just teach you to freaking have a manicured property and sit the same stands with the exact wind. And we killed, I mean, sometimes you just got to think about what's actually the smartest way to try to, get in front of a deer and we yeah. killed both of our deer in sets that we didn't even hang in the summer or have prepped for the fall. They were just like an impromptu. We scouted, we liked the trail and we sat it and we shot deer. Um, kind of just mm-hmm. not letting that deer assume where you're going to be. Yeah. So kind of, um, to transition maybe to a different point, um, with public comes pressure. Um, how do you guys handle that? Um, how like, what's what's an appropriate amount of pressure that makes you guys feel comfortable to hunt an area and what's like man i think we got to get out of here this is a a little bit too far what's what's that line for you guys you just gotta you're sitting in a stand and a guy walks by you just gotta draw your bow and (laughs) just give him a whistle man yeah (laughs) go away real quick yeah (laughs) i'd say i've changed some on that uh anymore like almost, if anybody's hunting a piece, I'm almost looking for a new spot. And when yeah. I say piece, it's hard to say, you know, if you got a 4,000 acre WMA, you right. know, but like a pull in, if anybody's hunting it hardly at all, I'm looking for a new spot. Mm-hmm. And I used to not be that way. And in certain situations, I probably still am not that way. But like overall, especially if I'm traveling, it just seems like you're already in the truck. Uh, you might as well just, bail and go learn something new about a place that maybe doesn't have a guy. I don't know. He has a lot of backup spots though. Yeah. Like yep. he will, he will have pins on how many pins do you have on your, Oh own? gosh, I don't know, dude. He's going to fact check I'm, this. I'm gonna fa- yeah. I'm going to look uh, at this right quick. It'll tell but me. Like he's got, he's got uh, a, B, C, D, E, F, and G for every situation. 2,800 pins on, on X. Yeah. Um, so quite a bit. It's a couple. And yeah, like that's a, I think it's, a pretty important thing uh, to have all that backup stuff. Cause I mean, you can think about like last year, late season, we went to this place that I was like super stoked about the wind was perfect, you know? And then there was a guy there on a Tuesday evening. They're like, what is going on? He's there like 3 PM or super early. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know what it was. But, so then it's like time to bounce, you know, time to go figure something else out. And you, if you don't have that stuff planned out, then you're like, well, um, where's the next closest piece of public land, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. It's, uh, it's also, it's good to have those those backups too because uh, I don't know like like I don't know you may have said this but the wind the wind isn't always what the weatherman calls for exactly mm-hmm. so uh, I don't know if you're I think if you hunt enough like you're gonna get into some situations where you're like man this is the spot this wind isn't the best wind but it's an like I think I can get away with it right mm-hmm. and then you start to get out of the truck and you're like. Oh no, this is dead. I'm not going to be able to get away with this for, you know, at all. So you might have to jump back in the truck and go to spot B or whatever. Um, or you get away with it. Like last year in South Dakota, we had, I was throwing milkweed all morning because I was just like, man, we are so close to being on the edge and busting these, mm-hmm. these deer. And I had two bucks come by about seven thirty and killed one of them. And, and if he had got another, you know, 20, 15 yards, probably he would have 
he would have winded me, but you just run into those situations where you're like you, you know, if, if the, if the, if the wind is like 180 um, advantageous for you as opposed to him, I mean, if it's like perfect for you, you, there's a good chance that, you know, it just depends obviously on a lot of variables, but I've seen a lot of times where the wind, if the wind is perfect for you and exactly wrong for him, you probably won't kill a deer that morning or that evening. Um, You know, so like really we try, we talk about like the 90 degree, kind of rule or whatever you, we I don't know what we call it normally because we're out of season so I forget what we call it but uh, <laughs> you know like normally we talk about this like 90 degree rule where if you can if you know kind of the general uh, you know habits of a deer especially we're talking early season you know mm-hmm. so like deer are going to be fairly patternable yep. most times in that time of the year so if you know the general uh, habits of, of deer moving to ag or whatever from bedding then or the opposite then you know having a win that is a crosswind essentially that's mm-hmm. what i mean by like a 90 degree roll is, is uh is usually kind of the way to go at, at the very least and if you can get it a, a win that the deer feels like is pretty much they're walking into the wind but it's maybe off just enough that you can sit on the side of a hill or in a tree that's just off the fence line or whatever it helps you to keep your wind out of their nose just barely then dude it's I mean, if you can pull that off, that is the way to go. That, I mean, I can think about, huge. I know y'all asked about pressure and we ended up on wind direction, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you have the same answer as me about uh, pressure. I haven't even talked about pressure at all. <laughs> <laughs> I liked where you went. We, I, my, my, my brain started exploding once you went there with the wind, but yeah, keep, keep going. Oh, yeah. I've got, yeah, I've got more wind stuff, but is that, what do you think? Is that kind of your own pressure? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm a little, maybe a little less sensitive to it when you said that, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, like it just kind of depends on like how, what do you want out of your experience? You know, do you, do you mind hunting with guys or not? I guess also if you're from, you know, Wisconsin, you might be used to hunting with guys around yeah, you or whatever. And you, you know, you're from, you know, uh, Wyoming, it might be different. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our, our camp guy, Eric, last year he was hunting in uh, Illinois and he got in there early and then had a guy come in after he was set up and that guy set up like 25 yards from him in the tree. Like they had a conversation. Oh, the guy's like, well, I guess we're both hunting here or something like that. This has gotten the tree, you know? And uh, so, yeah, I definitely am not into that. I couldn't do that. That's my private land. The public stuff is, that's the, that's the worst part of the public deal really is just, um, you know, going in somewhere, getting up real early, right? I mean, I don't mind walking and going in, going in far and stuff like that. Most of the time, I just don't want to end up going and doing all that and spending time away from my family and, you know, lots of effort or whatever, getting up early yep. and then just a dude walking in there and being on top of you. Yeah. yeah and you I just mean, never know. You, know you can't predict it. <laughs> I mean, we, yeah. this, this, uh, this last September in Nebraska was a, was a joke. We just posted on our YouTube, the video. And it's like, we went to a spot where we have been, I mean, we've had really good success and we just, this last year, I don't know. I don't know if the word got out or if people were watching our YouTube videos. Well, we know one person was, but <laughs> basically like, man, we could not get away from dudes. Like literally couldn't get away. We were on every corner of this. I mean, it's a massive piece of public, but I mean, every morning and evening, we were seeing several groups of guys on top of the hills, like within a few hundred yards. It's like, oh my gosh. So we pulled the plug in that place, went to a different place where we were like, okay, we still are seeing some trucks, but definitely better. I remember I I asked permission of this lady to like kind of get on this back way into this public chunk that was like, okay, if they're coming from the normal road, they're going to have to walk like several miles. And I was like, okay, I've got to have this place to myself. And sure enough, like prime time, two guys come tearing over the hill, like a mile away, busting deer out of like basically the whole area between me and them. And during prime time, he walks over every single hill and like gets within a few hundred yards from me. And I'm like, Oh my God. I'm just like, first of all, just the hunting side of things. I'm like, what was that guy trying to accomplish? covering all mm-hmm. of that ground during prime time. I'm like, I just don't, I just don't understand what they're thinking what that individual is thinking about. But at the same time, mm-hmm. actually we saw these guys after the hunt at the gas station. I was like, yo, like I was hunting that piece. I watched you. You're, I mean, I was polite, but I was like, I mean, you were busting like a whole hell of a lot of deer. <laughs> like, like there were, there were does and some younger bucks just peeling out um, that you couldn't see. He's like, Oh really? And I was like, yeah, but he was like, well after, cause I left as soon as like 
this was going on. I'm like, okay, I, I can at least get a scout somewhere on another piece of public. Hopefully. Um, he's like, as soon as you left a bump to buck, like within probably 150, 200 yards of where you were at. I'm like, no way. Like you just don't know where they're at, what they're seeing. If they're like, sometimes yeah. we can be feeling a lot of pressure, but if a deer is just tucked up somewhere, he has no idea what's going on. And who knows if he's going to pop out 150 yards from you. Once that, that late sun hits, it's like, you just don't know, but it's so hard to know when to pull the plug. I mean, mm -hmm. we covered, God, we covered so much ground in September in Nebraska, just trying to find yep. a buck. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah. we are definitely on the side of like, I mean, just for the enjoyment of the hunt, we kind of want to be, we're, have some solace. Yeah, we're willing, solitude. we're willing to put up with some, mm -hmm. but there's definitely a, there's a line, a line. And I mean, I feel like yeah. we're definitely on more of the side of getting away from as many folks as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. I think, I think that, you know, I'll just be frank. Like if we put out a video of us hunting public land, um, man, we scout for two and a half days and we see a group of does and one like two year old buck. And then that's our video. Nobody cares. And yep. They do care. It's so that they can say, make a comment on there. It says boring. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's just, it is, like that's what, that's what happens. So what, what ends up happening is these people, us included go and finally kill something on on public land and it's nice buck or whatever put it on youtube because it's worth putting on youtube because right. people maybe don't comment boring as much on <laughs> that and you know so like what ends up happening is you got a bunch of videos on youtube about public land and most of them including the ones that are easiest to find that uh, end up you know being at the top of the list have a lot of views because they have big bucks in them mm -hmm. and then there's this whole like cultural skew that sees everybody you know Oh, everybody's having killing big deer on public, you know, and mm -hmm. the man hours that's involved and invested in this is outrageous sometimes. And, mm -hmm. uh, so it looks better than it is. And I think what you guys may have been seeing, and we've seen the last several years, really since about 2018, we've seen this, maybe even some in 2017, but there's been a huge rise in number of people hunting on public land, man. Yeah. And I think that, uh, we started seeing it in Texas, maybe 2017. I think 2017 was maybe the first year we saw it. We saw it in 2016, man, we hunted, uh, a piece that we, Casey was literally like passing deer the next year because we had seen so few people in this area. And now, mm -hmm. I mean, you, you're about, you know, 40% of the time you go in there, you're going to see somebody with a headlight walking in, you know, or whatever. And it's just, there's, there's the deer aren't there anymore. And it's just, it's different, man. So, yep. I don't know if this is like, it's an ebb and flow thing culturally or not. If, if like at some point, I think there, there is a, a sense of this that would happen maybe, but like at some point there's going to be enough people on public land that most of them are going to not be successful and then get kind of fed up with it and go back to either lease stuff or right. just quit hunting, yep. which is kind of not what we want. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, there's going to be some fallout from public and then, then the hunting will get better the next few years after that. And then it may be back on YouTube where it looks real good again. And <laughs> yeah. you, it's going to be a flow. It's kind of exactly. like, a, you know, the, the whole, uh, uh, the thought about like predator versus prey, right. You know, the predator thrives until all of a sudden there's not enough prey for it to eat. And then, uh, that down goes the numbers of the predator for a while. Then the prey thrives exactly. back and forth. You know? Right. Yeah, the um on the on the side of the the wind stuff you guys are talking about, we've I mean I can even just think in my head how many how many more successful hunts we've had when the winds kind of been like marginal, and how many crappy hunts we thought were just going to be amazing. Yeah, because the wind, <laughs> the wind was one eighty, like perfect yeah. for us, but yeah. terrible for the deer. I can just think yeah. um one one evening in Kansas, like the the field was absolutely full. Um, the evening before, and I just, I went down because the wind switched at 180. That was perfect for the blind set right over that. Sure enough, I didn't see a single deer, but that corn plot had to have had like 30 deer in it the night before. And just because that they didn't like, um, that's wind switch and it didn't, didn't help. Even though it was good for me, it wasn't good for them. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's, I actually shot a buck late season but it was kind of an early season tactic it was an area that was in a in a pretty bad drought shot a buck headed to a water source and um this buck 
we haven't even aired this footage yet. It's going to come out like in August or something like that. It's pretty, pretty sick. It's probably one of my more fun hunts I've ever, mm-hmm. you know, shot a deer on. But, uh, we had, um, noticed that these deer were using this water source, uh, just kind of happenstance. We just walked by and said, Oh, there's a bunch of deer tracks there, even though it's, you know, late season. So we set up a camera and sure enough, we were getting some pics of, of deer on our, uh, cell cam using the water. It's like, Hey, let's go set up on that thing. And, um, uh, set up with uh, kind of like what we're saying, a wind to where like if you were to draw a straight line to the water source from where a deer would come from, we would be, um, you know, 90 degrees of that line. So, you know, not in line with that water source. And I think that, that was pretty important to understand like what the direction of travel would be mm-hmm. to the to that destination. You could do it in food sources or whatever or even scrapes, right? but like that's a super important thing to think about. And that deer ca- actually came out and could have had a more direct line of travel to that water source from where he came out at. Uh, he came out um, to the south of this thing and ended up making a big loop around and coming in uh, from the west and gave me a perfect shot at like 13 yards. Mm-hmm. But he could have went straight to the water source and would have never got a shot. But because he wanted to circle around and get that wind in his favor before he went to his destination, yeah. I was able to kill him. So, like, it's it's huge to understand, like, how deer interact with their environment in those wind situations. And I think even more so, uh, the further east you get, where deer are really relying on their nose. You get out west, deer will do things that kind of don't make a lot of sense wind-wise because they can see so well. Yep. But um, you get, you know, you get in the thicket stuff, you know, kind of east of the Mississippi. And, I mean, deer about near walk around like bats. You know, they're using their nose yeah, right. most of the time, you know. So it's, it's pretty huge, man, to kind of understand that concept of, uh, you know, I think Bill Winky always called it just off wind, right, mm-hmm. where – you're not blowing your wind at the deer, but you're definitely not blowing it away from them either. Mm-hmm. So are you guys, let's take, let's take the month of September and maybe we can lump a little early October into there. Um, are you guys going to be hunting saddles? You guys hunting on the ground, primarily spot and stock. What's kind of your uh, preferred method? Trail? <laughs> yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever you guys want, no. but yeah. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, um, it's hard to say preferred method. It's just situational, yeah. I think. Right. Um, you guys just you I guys mean, just have everything ready to roll. Like say, like if you're doing an out of state hunt, like I mean, are you just packing the saddles and packing the boots and all that stuff just for like whatever situation you guys like whatever you see fit? Dude, I want to I want to be in a tree anytime that I can. Just yep. about. I mean, yep. so I try to find a way to get in a tree, which you know, it's a saddle for me these days. Um, most of the time, unless I'm on my own property or whatever. Um, but I, I think especially early season, I mean, there's way to, there, you can definitely kill a deer off the ground anytime, but it's so thick in early season mm-hmm. and to get above, you know, the willows and the tall grasses and stuff like that to be able to shoot down into the grass is a big deal. I mean, I can think of like, uh, uh an evening last year in Nebraska, <clears throat> I thought I was going to kill man for sure. I was sitting, I was sitting in a willow tree, uh, that was like 20 yards off of this. Uh, it was a, it was a two track that had been made by a four wheeler that like the state had gone in one time, you know what I mean? So, but it like crushed the grass down, grass down. So it made a good trail yep. going back into this food source. They just went back to the back gate to make sure the signs were all good. I think still, but anyway, I was sitting there, and I, and I started seeing does early, man. And I finally had a, a doe actually come by me. The does, were, the does that I'd seen were closer to the food source, but I couldn't get a whole lot closer. But anyway, doe comes right by me, right down that trail. I thought I was going to be money whenever a buck came. And, uh, but the, the main point, I guess, of the story is that um, if I had been sitting at the same distance from that trail on the ground, there, I would have never been able to pull off a shot at all because it was yep. just tall grass, you know. Um, so that's, that's kind of why I like to be up higher, um, among other reasons, like deer's eye or pupil is designed to see along the horizon as opposed to above them or below, you know, right. and you can just see deer better, you know, the yep. deer can surprise you on the ground. I mean, uh, last year in South Dakota, uh, the bucket yeah. I'm shooting, I didn't see him for like 35 yards from me, you know, <laughs> which was a crazy experience in general, but like, 
I think another thing on that is um, the idea is a good idea of like being able to pack in a lot with a saddle and just use it if you see necessary or if you need to ditch it, you can and just hunt from the ground. And I've done it. And I think especially if you're going to like go in to an area all day, you know, which I really probably wouldn't suggest very much in the early season unless you're just committing a lot of resources to getting where you're going. You know, if you're in like two and a half miles on a huge plot, you know, you don't want to kind of come out of there. But like, right. ain't a lot going on at noon, you know, in September. So, right. <laughs> unless it's water or something. But right. um, overall, like, I, I want to have a plan of what I'm doing before I leave the truck. I, I've never been a scout my way in kind of guy. Uh, I know guys kill deer that way. Uh, I just don't think that's a tactic that I'm going to use. Mm-hmm. I'm, I want to I have a plan. I mean, I even pick out a tree usually, even if I hunt from the ground like I did last year in South Dakota. Like I picked out some bushes that I was going to go sit in, you know, and that was a mile and a half from the truck. You know, like I just have a plan of what I'm going to do. And if I don't think I'm going to need uh, means to get in a tree, I won't bring it because it's just extra stuff mm-hmm. to bring, right? And just minimize that a little bit, and and just go with your with your plan of what you had. Now, of course, but you never turn off the scout on the way in, though. No, I don't turn it off. Right. No, no, no. He, he sees everything. Like right, this for dude, sure. This dude is an eagle. You know, like he will, if there's sign, he will see it. He will yeah. find it. So. Yeah. But I think it's a big deal to just put a plan in place because you're going to feel more confident with a plan. Right. I mean, it's, it's like I've been this way elk hunting way more than I have deer hunting, but like you just take off wandering until you think you're going to kill something. That's a good way to have a low confidence in your hunt. Yep. You know, whenever you hunt with low confidence, uh, you end up making poor decisions because you're sloppy. Mm-hmm. So like move around the stand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just do stuff like that, you know, and, and like if you're not feeling like you are giving yourself the best opportunity at killing a deer, then what are you doing anyway? Yep. You need to go wherever your best opportunity is and go make a plan to hunt that spot. Feel like you need to be in the chips every hunt, like get in the chips. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yep. You know, it's just like what you were saying earlier. Like you're like, well, I can go get an evening scout in because you felt like that was more valuable than yep. doing what you were doing. Right. And it's, just, I mean, that's a great thing to make a call on, you yep. know? Yep, for sure. Well, that's awesome. Um, we're hunting. Uh, we're hunting Oklahoma for the first time this year. Um, we I actually did a little filmed hunt for uh, a group um, this last October, and I was like, "Man, we should hunt Oklahoma sometime." Um, you guys have hunted Oklahoma a decent bit, or not that much, or how much? Uh, some, yeah, yeah. I've hunted a little bit. It's, yeah. uh, Oklahoma's kind of a weird state because uh, it's kind of wide. It's not really, it's not huge, but it's a big state, you know, it's a lot of public land, yep. especially on the, the eastern side of the state. There's a lot of like good, thick river bottom stuff and stuff like that. Yeah. I've spent some time, uh, I've spent more time on private probably in Oklahoma than I have on public. Um, but I think that, I think you can't, can't hardly go wrong. Like you're going to find different deer density across the straight in the state. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have more deer on the east side, less deer on the west side. Not necessarily like a whole lot of <clears throat> discrepancy in size though. You know, like a lot of times, like in Texas, you go to hill country, there's deer everywhere, but they're tiny, you know? And uh, in Oklahoma, I think pretty much everywhere, anywhere, anywhere you go, you've got a chance of shooting a, a solid buck. Yep. Um, you get a lot of tags there too, which yep. can yep. be good and bad. Right. Yep. Like, because it means a lot of deer get taken. Well, that's so. what, I mean, and that's what I've seen. Like when I was hunting, hunting, we hunted a lease up there when I was in college and, um, you know, it was like, they have a two week rifle season. And so it's, uh, short enough to like make people think they're doing good and long enough for people to really slay some deer too. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, right. it's, it's, it's nuts, man. If you get into mile by mile country, um, you're like, dudes are just driving the roads the whole season, yeah. the whole rifle season. Wow. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it really is like, I've never seen it that way anywhere else. This like, every night people driving roads and shooting. And oh, wow. What, so I, I made what some would consider a mistake, uh, and got married on November 19th. Oh, uh, and, <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Greatest decision of my life. Hey, you know what I always day, tell people right? is deer hunting and family are on two different levels. 
if you actually give a damn about that, then I'm like, we're just not, we're not in the same, like people that complain about having kids during the rut. I'm like, are you serious? Like that's a kid. That's that. I mean, (laughs) I get it. Like, I mean, obviously it could change your hunting plans for sure. We've both had that's a kid. I had, I, my daughter was born November 24th. I'm like, not a great time to have a kid, but I'm like, that's a kid. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to complain about having like, I don't know. I'm not going to complain about it. Yeah. You're exactly right, man. Like there's things that are bigger than hunting for sure. For sure. No. Uh, but we're not on a family podcast. We're on a hunting podcast. So exactly. And <laughs> 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 the, the wedding's a little easier to plan than the baby sometimes. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> That's true. Um, but no, you're exactly right, man. Things like that are important. But the, so like, I don't complain about it. And my wife is real chill. She wants me there on our anniversary if I can be. Yep. But I think I missed it one year and she was pretty chill about it. So mm. not that big of a deal. But, um, <laughs> The thing that I thought was funny was that, like, we were up there. Uh, we went on our honeymoon in Oklahoma, in, in southeastern Oklahoma, which is, like, Hunter Central, right? And yeah. there's deer everywhere. Um, and, uh, like, it was the rifle season, and the whole town was orange. Like, and it's just like, <laughs> like, you didn't even know that many people live. But, like, you go in a grocery store, and everybody has on their orange still. It's like yeah. a... Like a status thing or something, yeah. man. Yeah. Did you yeah. see a big bug? We did see a big bug. Across the river, I was... I was I was fishing in the river, trout fishing, yeah, and, uh, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I like fishing, and I like this girl I was married, but uh, I'd like to be hunting. Here comes, like, you know, legit, like, high 130s kind of uh, non-typical looking buck just rutting, just running through the river. And I was yeah. like, oh, man, this is crazy. And then he got on on egg. <laughs> That's right. That was exactly. <laughs> That's hilarious. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's about all we got for you guys. Um, man, where can, uh, people find you guys? Where, where, I mean, where where can people get the most of the element? Well, uh, YouTube channel is probably, you know, where we put a ton of our, our work, um, just search the element of the element hunting on YouTube and we'll come up. We'll be one of the first results there. Yep. Um, and, uh, we, we do our best to put out some high quality videos where there's, um, a lot of animals and a lot of interaction, maybe some learning to happen there. So, uh, you know, try to kind of put an emphasis on um, quality of stuff. And I think y'all kind of do the same thing. So you kind of yep. understand what I'm talking about there. And then we uh, have a podcast as well. Uh, the element podcast been doing it for is it five years now, January, early January of 17. Nice. So over five years, over five years. Yeah. yeah. So, been doing the podcast thing for a while and I haven't done a, a podcast in five years. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, we need to do one this week. We didn't do one last week. Uh, this is a tough time of year for podcasting, as y'all know. Yeah, yeah it's a good time to get do some chit chat stuff because uh, we're so far from deer, but at the same time, it's very close. You know, mm-hmm. like it's not going to be long until we have it. And that gets me hyped. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the elementwild.com yeah. is our, uh, our website, and that's really just a landing page for people to try to. Um, had different directions on some of our other platforms, you know, buy t-shirts and stuff like yeah. that too. So yeah, it's, uh, we got, we, as far as social goes, uh, Casey is really pulled for the TikTok. So we got that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, I don't even know if we posted on that anytime. Dude, but we try. Uh, it's rough. I'm too old for it. <laughs> it's rough. It out. Instagram, Facebook, you know, there's a bunch of our grandparents on there and stuff. So, exactly. uh, we got to keep them, you know, entertained on Facebook, but, um, yeah, that's where kind of where we're at. And, uh, if you're, uh, if you're in Texas or the, the, the Southern part of the U S we're going to do a couple of, of meetups, uh, probably kind of work with all next to do a few things in the South, kind of some, uh, maybe some public land hunting clinic type stuff or cool. whatever you want to call it, you know, mapping, mapping uh, and all that kind of stuff. We'll have that going on this summer. If people want to, come out and hang out and do that thing yeah definitely and uh we're just gonna be moving around a bunch this fall what about y'all where y'all where else y'all going yeah we i mean we're going to be kind of all over the place nebraska um tom drew the elk tag in, in uh colorado so that'll be september Sweet. um yep. south dakota oklahoma kansas um i think that's about it we i mean texas bro come on yeah come on, man. hey hey if you guys will uh <laughs> if you guys will have us down there we'd love to come down to texas i mean that's like Texas is an intimidating state. Like, I don't know. We need to, uh, I mean, we'd love to hunt it for sure. We've, we honestly, what we've wanted to do is hunt coos. So I don't know if, if Texas has the coos stuff, but. 
Carmen uh, Mountain wise. Yeah. yeah. And they're all in private. Pretty tough yep. to get to. Yeah. Coos stuff's gonna be kinda a little bit further west of, of right. where we're at. We have deer that would resemble a coos deer in that they are very tiny, but right. they don't, don't give them a special designation. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, man, I mean, if you ever really feel like doing that, you know, let us know. I, I, one of the things that anybody we invite down, we have to tell them it's like, you do understand your trip down here is to hang out with us more than it is to actually kill a <laughs> Exactly. Deer, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, it's still fun, a good time. Man. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, that's awesome. Uh, we can uh, definitely at least give you a pen if nothing else where to go. And we don't spend a whole lot of time in there. <laughs> yeah. Anymore. I mean, we kind of got to find a reason, you know. Like, so right. we do hang trail cameras and stuff and try to find deer that, you know, are somewhat regular. But as far as public goes, that's almost impossible. I mean, yeah. it literally, like, is almost impossible um, on any of this stuff locally, especially. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a struggle, but, um, you know. That's that's uh that's why we're talking about traveling and that's wrong, right, you know, because that's what we like to do and sure. gives us a better chance to shoot deer and that's what other people want. So one of the things with that is, and I know we're trying to wrap this thing up, but like you got to go on some hunts that challenge you, or you're not going to grow and learn and and be better as a hunter, mm-hmm. you know. And so like we we try to do our best to mix that up. You know, we have some states like. Illinois or Iowa, when we get a chance to draw where it's just like, oh man, this is going to be a slam dunk. Yep. It's going to be awesome. And then like, there's, it'd be really e- easy to just like schedule out the fall with stuff like that. And like you said earlier, you know, uh, with the TV stuff, you know, I'm thankful for the pioneers that, um, you know, did the TV thing and kind of made that a, a deal for us mm-hmm. to all be able to see. And, and, you know, it's expanded my horizons for sure. But at the same time, you know, whenever you, spend off all going to different outfitters and stuff and they already have the deer name before you get there. It, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't really help yeah. you learn too much, you right, know? And, right. and I'm not trying to be critical of those guys, but that's a thing that happens, yeah, you know? For sure. So like, I think us as hunters, like it's important to go out and try to challenge yourself. Um, you know, not important on like a, you know, like a faith or family scale, like you were talking about a while ago, but important if you care about hunting like we do and you want to get better at it, the only way to do that is to challenge yourself. Yep. So, um, yeah, come to Texas and not see any deer. There you go. <laughs> Good pitch. <laughs> well, guys, seriously, thanks for thanks for being on here. And if if you're listening at home or on the road, as soon as you get home, you need to get on the YouTube and check out some of these guys' videos because I'm sure you're anxious um, for fall like we are. And uh, man, you guys have some <laughs> awesome stuff. So yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll uh, be back next week. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it guys thank y'all for having us on it's for a great sure. opportunity and it's good to get to talk to y'all yeah, yeah. thanks guys